0: We're going to begin in three, two, one. Well, good evening, McLeansville. It's so good to be back with you as we have another Bible study time together on this Wednesday evening. And I'm really excited about tonight's study and uh, just thankful to be here and be able to use this camera and the equipment that we have to bring this to you tonight. And I trust that you have already been enjoying a time of worship and uh, opening songs that have prepared your heart now. And I promise you, even as I told you earlier today, uh, God has something to speak to you about tonight that'll be very, very encouraging. And so uh, we're gonna get right into the Bible study this evening. Uh, We're gonna be breaking away from our study in 1 Peter tonight, and I'm sure that we will get back there because there's no doubt that 1 Peter is a very timely book for the time that we are in. But tonight we wanna look together at one of my favorite places in all of the Bible, and uh, one that I have been drawn to Many times over the years. And this morning, once again, I had prayed. uh, I wanted to know the Lord's will about tonight's study. And I was drawn to this again. Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. And here in Luke 24, the disciples, uh, there are two disciples that are on the road to Emmaus. And uh, then we're going to see Jesus also in this chapter in the upper room with the disciples. And uh, the story is going to go on there. And you know, the more I looked at this, the more clearly I understood that God is wanting to speak to us from this story in this particular time that we find ourselves in. I believe it's very, very timely. It is of the Lord tonight. So Luke chapter 24, and I want to read in verse number 13 and, uh, and read a few verses to get us started. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another, as ye walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And hast thou not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. Notice this verse, But we trusted, we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since those things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came, saying, that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so, as the woman had said, but him they saw not. And then Jesus says to them in verse 25, He said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things, and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he set at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. Then they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the Scriptures?" And I want to stop the reading right there, and we're going to continue in that chapter in the study this evening. But boy, what a wonderful passage of Scripture. What a wonderful story. And I want you to notice something about these things they keep talking about. And tonight, I want to to bring a lesson from this passage. And I suppose that the, the best title that I came up with is Recovering Your Heart in All of These Things. And I tell you, there is one who will recover your heart in all of these things. And uh, we're going to look at that tonight. So these things are going on. Uh, But before we go any further, I'd like to take time to pray with you and us pray together that God would help us tonight to hear what he has to say. So let's do that at this time. Father, I do want to pause right now as I'm in this recording studio, this room, and Lord, I am by myself as far as other people, but I am not alone. Lord, you are here with me, and and in just a few hours, all of us will be together through this broadcast. And we want to pray right now together and invite you to, to come into our living rooms, into our day rooms, our dens, our kitchens, wherever it is that we're gathered right now. Lord, come into that. And more importantly, come into our hearts during this time. Because I don't know of anyone right now who has not over the last week or so been affected by the time that we are that we are living in lord the news the uncertainties of it the 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 aspects of anxiety and uncertainty and fear speculation that may be coming into our heart and lord all of that has the the um, ability, the power to draw our hearts away from you. But tonight, God, through this study of the Word of God and through our time together, Lord, recover our hearts. Just as Jesus does right here on the road to Emmaus and in the upper room with these disciples, tonight, God, bring our heart back to you. As a church, unite us. Lord, unite us in a love for you. Unite us in our hearts once again to have faith, to be in light, to be in love. God, claim our heart back to yourself this evening. And may we consecrate ourselves to you once more. And God, may you receive the glory and the honor for all that's done here. And may we receive the victory that is ours. In Jesus' name, amen. This phrase that's used here, these things... Now, it's used four times in the passage of just what we've read. But if you go back to the beginning of the chapter, it's used two other times. And so it's a, it's a frequent thought. But what are these things that they're talking about? Well, specifically, it's all about the events surrounding the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. But the disciples, they didn't yet understand these things. And, you know, when you're in the middle of these things, you don't always understand what's going on, and that's where they were. And I tell you how often we find ourselves in places and times where we are wondering why things have happened and even maybe where is God in all of it. That's not an unusual thing in our life. So that's where these disciples are. And friends, you and I can certainly feel a touch of that in the midst of the current things that we're facing. But I have some really good news for you tonight. Jesus is taken with their hearts If you look at this story, and and all through this this chapter right here, and, and can I just go ahead and say it's all through the Bible, Jesus is just consumed with and very concerned about the heart of these disciples. Notice he mentions their hearts twice in that part that we're studying tonight. In verse number 25, he says to them, O fools and slow of heart to believe. He speaks of their heart here. And in verse 38, which we haven't read yet but we're going to come to, When he appears in the upper room to the disciples, in verse 38, he says unto them, Why are ye troubled, and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? He's very concerned about their hearts. And I want you to know tonight that Jesus is very concerned about your heart tonight, Christian. Very concerned about my heart. And so on the road to Emmaus, we see that their hearts are cloudy. They can't see very clearly. They're slow to believe. And that's what Jesus points out about them. It means that their hearts are dull. There's there's just so much that they're having to face right now, so much that has come against them that uh, it's dulled their heart. They're Not that they're they're bored, not at all, but their hearts have been blurred. And I think that's a good way to understand it. When Jesus says, oh, slow of heart, it means their heart is dull. Their heart is blurred by everything that they're dealing with. And then when you come to that upper room, Seen that moment where he speaks to their hearts, he recognizes how their hearts are troubled. They can't rest very well. In other words, their hearts are agitated. Their hearts are uneasy, and the peace has been taken from them. Their hearts are compromised. The enemy has sown tears of fear and doubt, and all manner of thoughts are rising in them. We might say it this way: their imagination is running wild. Now, here I need to remind you of a passage that the Lord gave us just a few days ago, and. Uh, it was last Monday night, not this Monday, but the last Monday night at our last prayer meeting that we had. And I've been sharing this as often as I can in different formats over the past week or so, but 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, I don't want to pick and poke at anyone, But I have heard a lot of talk about people making runs on the gun stores. And of course we know about the empty shelves in the grocery stores. Well, what leads to that? Why does that happen? It's unbridled imaginations that lead to that type of thing. Too many apocalypse movies, probably. And I'm not suggesting that we're to bury our heads in the sand and just hope for the best. But I am saying that we need to anchor our heart in Jesus tonight. We must anchor our heart in Jesus. My hope is not built on my ammo supply or my bread and milk supply, but my hope is built upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And friends, no matter what happens today or tomorrow, I rest my hope in him. You see, this is a serious time that we're living in. But listen, it's not the end. It's not the end. It it can't be the end. By the way, child of God, there is no end for those who believe. It amazes me how I have felt so strongly over these last four years um, that we need to begin preparing uh, the the generation behind us for what is to come. And I earnestly believe that we are in the midst of some real-world training right now. You see, there are going to be difficult days ahead. More difficult than this, darker than this, they're coming. But right now, God has given us an opportunity to prepare for that, to train our children, our grandchildren, so that they will be prepared. If not to face it themselves, they'll be more ready to train their children to face it. Because honestly, I don't know how we can have very many more generations before this thing's wrapped up, friends. I mean, Jesus is coming. I'm telling you, he cares about your heart. And what does your heart say to you right now? I'm coming back to Emmaus Road in a moment, but let me take some time to remind you again of the things that God has given me to encourage all of us with during this time. Three things that I keep repeating. Number one, strengthen your God dependence. I want to keep messaging that. This is a time for you and I to personally develop our walk with God, maybe in a way that we haven't in in a while or ever. But you must strengthen your God dependence. You must rally your family toward a dependence upon God first and this is a time to do that. Secondly, stay connected with your church. I want to keep messaging that. By tuning in tonight, you're staying connected with your church, but it's more than just connected through the internet or through listening to the messages on CDs, but stay connected by using your phone. Hey, this is a novel idea. Turn that phone back into its primary use. A phone Call one another. Talk to one another. Visit that way. I know it's hard to visit right now physically, but, but visit that way. And then I would say, remember to strengthen your family during this time. Whether it's your family, maybe in your household, of course, you, you, your spouse, your children. Maybe it's family that, uh, that don't live with you, but your children are grown and gone, but you're building, you're working on family relationships right now. Do that. It occurs to me This year, we came into it, this 2020, as a church and as a staff even, a church staff, more prepared, I think, more organized, more focused than any of the previous years that I've been here. And then what happens? Disruption happens, right? All the planning, all the calendar work, all the vision. So was it for nothing? Was it for nothing? Well, of course not. Of course it wasn't. What was the main thing behind all of it? Well, Psalm 96.9, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. What is our vision song for the year that Brother Pat has brought to us? Crown Him with many crowns. It's about worshiping God. It's about growing in holiness. It's about developing this heart for God. That's what we've been talking about for weeks and months. So we've not lost this. We're, we're actually finding how essential it really is to our survival right now. So what we see in Emmaus and what we see in the upper room is very intentional concern that God has for our hearts. Remember this verse, Proverbs chapter 4, and verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You see, life's wellsprings come from your heart. And God doesn't want your heart dried up. He cares very much about your heart. So let's come back to Emmaus Road and let's see that. Now here's a question. What is really being assaulted in this story? Well, is there physical danger for these disciples? I'd say yes. There is the potential for trouble, for persecution, for for loss of property, for physical harm. The persecution will actually grow in the days and years ahead for these disciples. But that's not the real danger. Not really. That's not what your true enemy is after. When you see what's going on today, you hear the reports of positive tests, you see the numbers coming out, the governmental mandates, and you can become concerned about all of these things. You can become concerned about your health and the health of others. But behind all of this, there is another power at work. Our government is not our enemy. This virus is not our enemy. Who then is our enemy? Well, Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says in verses 12 and 13, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, get suited up for battle, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand." And so there is this awareness brought to us that there is a power, there is a spiritual darkness behind the visible powers that be. And we have a real enemy. And friends, the target of the enemy is not your body per se. It's not your bank account. It's not your retirement fund. No, those are simply means to an end. He wants to crush your heart. That's what you need to understand John chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus warned us, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And it is the heart of these disciples, and it is your heart right now, which is being assaulted by the enemy. So looking back at verse 21, look at what they said. But we trusted. We had our hope. We had our faith in him. How then could this happen? Do you see? You see in that question what's going on there? It's their faith. It's their hope that is under assault. You see, the heart matters. But the attack was real. I mean, look at these verses. Uh, I want to point out to you and see the attack on the heart. Verse 17, he says unto them, What manner of communication are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? You see, they were sad. Verse 22, uh, Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished. Not only was their heart sad, but their heart had been stunned. And then again, back to verse 25, Jesus own words to them, O fools, and slow of heart. Their heart was not only sad, their heart was not only stunned, but their heart had been slowed. It had been slowed down. So what is the rest of John chapter 10, verse 10? Yeah, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says, I am come that they might have life. And that they might have it more abundantly. And I say hallelujah. Jesus said the enemy has assaulted you. He has lied to you. He has threatened you. But I am come. No, friends, I want to tell you tonight. He's always come. He always does come. It's like Jesus is saying to the disciples in this chapter, remember the night in the, on the sea in the midst of that storm when you were afraid and I came walking on the water to you. I came. Remember the day on the hillside when we had all that great crowd of people and no bread. <laughs> I came. Remember the time at the temple when they brought that adulterous woman and cast her down and were ready to stone her. But I came. Friends, I want to tell you, Jesus always comes. I think about that song by the Rochester family. Uh, It says, when Adam and Eve believed all the lies, believed all the lies of Satan in the garden, that day it seemed all was lost. How great was the cost, the wages they would pay. Then judgment was passed that all men must die. It seemed, I should say, all hope was in vain. But a champion was waiting before time began, and into the battle he came. And Jesus came to the rescue. When he fought the battle, we won the war. Although we were sinners and surely to blame, to the rescue our Savior came. And Jesus comes to the rescue, friends. He always comes. What has he come to do? What is it that Jesus came for? Well, look at verse 32 again. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us? (laughs) You see, Jesus came to light up their hearts again. He came to rescue them. He came to recover their faith. He came to recover their hope. He came to recover their joy, their understanding. Well, did it work? You read on to verse uh, 32 and on down and... It says, Did not our heart burn within us? And while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the Scriptures, and they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. I would say that that rescue worked. Amen? Now, verse 36, notice this. He never really left them, did he? He never left them. Look at what it says. And as they thus spake, these two disciples who came to the upper room with the others, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Oh, yeah, friends, it worked all right. You see, he didn't leave them. He never really does. He never really leaves you or me. In fact, it it reads almost like he had followed them there. He kind of comes to the the table at Emmaus and uh, disappears, and they run to the upper room, and it's like he just follows them. And here he shows up. And I tell you, Psalm 139 comes to mind, verse 5 through 7. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence. Boy, I'm glad the Lord never leaves us, never forsakes us, and he's going to make a promise to Him real soon before he ascends back to glory. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, what about the rest of the story? Now, the upper room meeting gives us the rest of the story, and I want to point out some key things here that will encourage your What I would say, you're now recovering and burning heart because I trust the Lord has spoke to you already in this tonight. And maybe you feel some of that recovery coming back to your heart, that burning in your heart. And isn't that what Jesus did? He recovers them and then he follows them here to this place. So now he's going to establish them for what is to come and what they must do. Jesus tonight is establishing us, friends, for what is to come and what we must do. So I want to look at this and just point out a few things as we prepare to close the study tonight. But I want, to, I want to show you this. Number one, notice how important it is to have a good place to meet with Jesus. Verse 36 says, As they spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. You know what? I, I like that the disciples are meeting in this upper room. It was a place very dear to them, you see, because it was where they had last fellowshiped and been with Jesus. And so they have this good place to come together. And I know that we're facing an unusual situation in that we can't meet in our upper room, the upper room of our day, as it were. So what we're doing, we're finding a way through this place called the internet or by recorded CDs that we send out, and we're finding a place in that to come together. It's not an ideal physical place. We'll meet in the recovered place in our hearts that are being knit together through him. That's what communion has always been about, to bring us to union in our hearts. Now, we need to come together again physically as soon as possible. This is a necessity. But for now, we have a place. But I want to encourage you also to find a place of your own to meet with Jesus where you are. Because, friend, you're going to need it. Find a place in these days that can be your place to meet with the Lord. So have a good place to meet with Jesus. This is important. He's recovering your heart. Now what do you need to do? Find a good place to meet with Jesus. Number two, I want you to notice that we need to invite Jesus into the simple things of our daily life. I pick up in verse 41. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have you here any meat? and they gave him a piece of a broiled fish, an oven honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. Now, this will really help you, and it'll keep your heart full and encouraged, okay? Jesus has already broken bread at Emmaus, and now he does it again. He says, hey, have you any meat? He and Now, look, he's just appeared to these disciples who are mesmerized by this, uh, kind of shocked by this. He appears to them, he shows them his wounds, and then the next thing he says is, hey, let's eat, friends. Y'all got any food? And I tell you, you sort of get the idea from reading this that as he's sitting there eating, they're all just sitting there around him, staring at him, uh, uh, shocked about what they see. Remember, by the Sea of Galilee, he does this, when he's roasting those fish on the fire and invites the disciples to come and dine. You see, it's not just our times that we meet for worship on Sunday or for Wednesday night Bible study. We should look for Jesus to be present in everything that we are doing. Everything. Your family fun together, when you go to bed and sleep at night, the meals that you're eating. Hey, even when you're paying those bills, we need to look for Jesus and invite Jesus into the simple things of daily life. Again, it's communion. It's communion with the Lord. We desperately need that in this time, and our hearts desperately need to be trained in that way. Then let me tell you this third thing. Notice we need to seek to understand what God is up to. So I said, what we're learning here in the upper room, have a good place to meet with Jesus. Hey, invite Jesus into the simple things of daily life. But then thirdly, seek to understand what God is up to. Verse 44, I pick up the reading again. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Now he brings them back to the words that he had spake to them. You see, this is the true strength of our heart during these times. We need to know what God has said, but we need to know what he is saying now because his word is not some ancient text. It is a living truth, and he is speaking to us now. He's speaking to us today. Back in verse 25 and 26, he did this with those disciples on the road to Emmaus. Uh, he opened up their heart. He teaches them what it was all about. In verse uh, uh, 45 here, he does that. He it says he He opens their understanding that they could understand the Scriptures. Just like he had done in verse 27, he expounds from Moses through the prophets all the things concerning himself. Just like he'd done in verse 32, their heart burned within us, they said, as he opened to us the Scriptures. And I'll tell you tonight, he's giving them understanding. Now listen, friends, you won't get real understanding about what's happening from cable news or social media. You can get information from there, and sometimes you can get misinformation from there. But understanding must come from Jesus. It must come from his word. I read Spurgeon. He wrote about this particular passage uh, here at verse 45. He wrote about this in his morning and evening devotion. He says, Our Lord Jesus differs from all other teachers. They reach the ear, but he instructs the heart. They deal with the outward letter, but He imparts an inward taste for the truth, by which we perceive its savor and spirit. The most unlearned of men become ripe scholars in the school of grace when the Lord Jesus, by His Holy Spirit, unfolds the mysteries of the kingdom to them and grants the divine anointing by which they are enabled to behold the invisible. Happy are we if we have had our understandings cleared and strengthened by the Master. How many men of profound learning are ignorant of eternal things." I think about Psalm 119 and verse 18, which is a great prayer to have on your heart in these days. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things from thy law. So his understanding... It revealed, it gave to them a revelation, revealed some very important things to them. It told them, first of all, about the purpose of the things going on. And uh, just to summarize, I read it in verse 46 through 48 there. He he said, there's a purpose to this. And the purpose of this is that you should go and now preach repentance. I I suffered. I died. I rose again. Now you go and preach repentance. You go and preach remission of sin. You go and be witnesses for me of these things. Our purpose in this hour, we've we've looked at this on Sunday. Our purpose in this hour is that we might receive more of his grace and that we might give more thanksgiving, that he might receive more glory. It's to bring those who are blind to the light. And then he reveals to them that there's a promise in this. Verse 49, I read it away. He said, I behold, I send the promise of the Father unto you. And you know what that was? Over there in Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came to dwell upon them, to empower them, to live in them. See, we have that same power. We have that same power, my friends, is living in me. Psalm 31, verse 30, 23 and 24 says this, O love the Lord, all ye his saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart all ye that hope in the Lord. Hey, God wants to strengthen your heart today, Christian. He wants to strengthen the heart of his people, strengthen the united heart of our church. Now let's close with this. What are we to do now? In these last four verses, there are some specific things that we can do, that we must do, to take care of the recovered heart. He's recovered their hearts. He's done all this in them on that road to Emmaus, in the upper room, and now there's some things that they must specifically do. And watch, watch this unfold. Notice, first of all, we need to receive his blessing. Verse 50, and he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they received the blessing of Jesus on that day. Now I want to tell you something. It is so important, so important, That you receive what God is giving to you. I spoke about this, uh, you know, the message I preached on when trouble comes, how to how to deal with that, and I talked about the importance of realigning our heart with God, you know, getting our hearts set on Him, of of you know, releasing our troubles to Him because He cares for us and wants that, and uh, you know, we talked about all those things, but the one part that I left off in that initial part that's really come to me and I see it again here is you've got to receive, you've got to receive the blessing that God has given you. So when we release our trouble to God, when we release these burdens, when our heart is being recovered, we're letting go of fear. We're letting go of anxiety. We're letting go of the pressures. We're letting go of all the speculation, the questions about how we're going to have enough groceries, how we're going to pay our bills. We're letting Jesus take that because he cares for our soul. In return, he is going to offer you something. And I remember the first thing. What did they get? They got peace that day. Remember that peace that he offered them? And, and I think it's so important. I'm going to go to John. Let John comment on this. John chapter 20. And just listen. Just listen to this. John chapter 20, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, talking about this day, and he appears in the upper room, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. See the fear? Came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed them his hands and his side, <clears throat> then were the disciples glad.. Ho, 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 ho. You see it? You see it? I mean, what do they have? Their hearts are all torn up. their, their hearts are all on mess. They've got to realign their heart. and they've got to let go of that fear that was troubling them. And Jesus comes and says, "I give you, I offer you peace." And you know what they did? They let go of the fear. And the Bible says, and then they were glad, they were glad. Because they had saw the Lord, and I, I, just, I just love verse twenty-two in this. Well, he says in verse twenty-one, "Peace be unto you, as my Father sent me; even so send I you." We've been reading about that over in, in Luke, but listen, to, listen to this. Luke, or I mean, John adds this, and when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, "Receive ye the Holy Ghost." Oh, do you see the blessing? <laughs> what a blessing! Let go of it, friends. Let go of it and receive what he wants to give you. All right, got to hurry. i got to hurry. Number two, what are we to do? Rejoice in him. Verse 52, And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. You see that? Uh, Psalm 30, verse 11 and 12, Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. To the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent, O Lord my God. I will give thanks unto thee forever. So receive his blessing, rejoice in him. And then, verse 53, remain in the worship. Look at what happens. And and we're continually, they, and we're continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. Again, our situation is a little different in these moments of time. But you know, while we can't be at the temple or at the church house, we can still remain in worship. Let's stay together in this format. Let's stay together in our private and family devotions. You see, it was by remaining in worship that they received everything else that came, all the way to Acts chapter 2 in the day of Pentecost. So church, this entire account of Luke 24 has a purpose for us. It helps us to remember that things are not always as they seem on the surface. There is a deeper purpose and there is a deeper story to what is going on right now in our world and in our own personal lives. There's something deeper that God is doing. And I want us to pray for the eyes of the heart to be opened, to understand. And for that, I'm going to turn for our closing prayer into the Bible, Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, this will be our closing prayer together. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 23. Paul is offering here the prayer that he had prayed for the Ephesian people, and I read it for us as a prayer tonight. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, May give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of His mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Lord Jesus, open the eyes of our heart. Help us to receive from you this ministry of recovery in these days of trouble, these days of uncertainty that surround us. God, help us to receive all the fullness of your life and of your love. And God, help us to be just saturated with that and swelling with that in our day-to-day lives. We love you and we thank you for your precious word. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful evening. When
1: Adam and Eve Believed on the lies Of Satan in the burden that day It seemed all was lost